You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. My name is Marco, you guys. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church, and we're so glad that you joined us for worship today. Hey, one quick announcement before we get into the message. I want to tell you, um, beginning next week, we will be streaming our 11.15 a.m. service online only, just that service. And so what that means is that in person, we'll continue to meet, obviously, at 9.30 and 11.15, but our 9.30 service will not be streamed online. Now, here's the reason for that. It's summertime, of course, and during summer, it's a bit more difficult to get um, all the volunteers that we need to adequately, adequately run that live stream. And so... The guys and the girls behind uh, the booth, back in the booth back there, and the camera, um, they're going to focus their energies on that 11:15 a.m. service, and hopefully that will ensure a more excellent online experience, okay? Now, what does that mean for you? That just simply means for you that if you're, if you're on vacation, if you're at your fifth wheel, or wherever you might be, um, and you want to watch service, listen, the stream will begin about 11 a.m., Okay? Anytime after that, you can watch that on YouTube or Facebook. So if you just forget all about it and then finally you put your kids down to sleep and you want to watch church at 8 o'clock at night, go ahead and go to YouTube, Radiant Church Bay City, and you can find us there. And again, we'll do that up until Labor Day. We're hoping to sort of build our team up to the point where we'll have the capacity to stream both services. So quick plug, if you love technology, if you love working with gadgets and gear and cameras and things like that, um, this is the team for you. We would love for you to fill out a, a team radiant application, get some information, and hopefully get plugged in to our team, team radiant, and help us to deliver this gospel message um, to our entire region and really across uh, the country. So that begins next weekend. We'll stream the 1115 service only. Well, this morning, I am uh, I'm really excited because we have a standalone message entitled, Getting Past Your Past. And in a few more moments, in a few minutes, we'll have my friend Claire Zielinski share some of her story, her testimony. And um, I think it's really powerful. I think it's gripping. And it points to the hope that we have in Christ. Um, but before we have Claire come up, I want to set the stage this morning by reading to you a passage of Scripture found in the letter of Philippians in the New Testament. This was written by the Apostle Paul around 62 AD. Paul was imprisoned in a Roman prison, and he's writing to the Christians in Philippi. And he, he has so much to say, but I want to zero in on just a few verses that I think are uh, entirely relevant for our message this morning. It's Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. You can put that on the screen if you'd like. Here's what Paul writes. He says this, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but here's the one thing I know, the one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's take a few moments and pray, and we'll get into our message. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a double-edged sword, God. It pierces our hearts, searches our souls, looks beneath the surface. And God, we're asking you to use your word to do that today. Search our hearts. God, before you were naked, we're poor, we're destitute, Lord. You know all things. But because of Jesus, because the hope we have in him, we have hope. We have nothing to fear. And so, Lord, would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God might say? Would you soften our hearts so that we might be able to listen to the words and apply them to our lives so that we might see life change, God? Holy Spirit, do a transformative work with your people this morning, with those who are watching online right now. God, just speak and let us apply your word to our hearts. We thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may, you may have heard before the modern phrase or the modern idiom. The phrase is this, or idiom is this, to have arrived, to have arrived. When someone says, I've arrived, or I have now arrived, it doesn't mean that they've gotten to a specific location. When someone says, I've now arrived, it normally, usually means they've become successful. They've become powerful. They've become famous. So for example, if we were to use that in a sentence, we could say something like this, I knew that I had arrived when the company gave me my own office. They've arrived. They've made it. Or how about this? The winning coach knew he had arrived when the television network wanted to interview him. Arrive to become successful, famous, powerful. The opposite is true of the statement to not have arrived. If you, if you were to say, well, I've not arrived yet, it just simply means I haven't accomplished all of my goals. I haven't gotten to the place I want to get to in life. I haven't made all the money I want to make. I haven't married the perfect girl yet. I haven't married the perfect guy. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. And here in Philippians chapter 3, as the apostle Paul writes from prison on house arrest, Paul fully knows that he has not arrived to the finish line of the spiritual race known as the Christian faith. Paul knows that he has not arrived. Now, it may appear that he's this you know, spiritual giant to those whom he writes to, but Paul knows he hasn't attained perfect Christ-likeness. Paul is simply on a journey, just like you and I are. And the journey, if we're in Christ, if we're following Jesus, is what? Is to become more like Jesus each and every day. That's, that's the race that we're, that we're in. That's the, run, that's the race that we're running right now, to become more like Jesus. But Paul says this. Paul says, there's one thing I do know. There's one thing for certain. There's one thing that Paul knew, that if he wanted to become mature in his faith, that if he wanted to so-called arrive there was one thing that Paul had to do. He had to get right. And this is the thing. Paul says it in verse 13. He says, forgetting what is behind me. And what? Straining toward what is ahead. Isn't that good? 
right? Forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what's ahead. And that's the same message for all of you, me, myself. We have to what? forget the past, forget that relationship that didn't work out, forget that business venture that didn't work out, it failed. Forget all the times that you tried that one thing, that you're that, that new hobby, and it didn't work out, right? Forget that, you, that, this thing, that this thing didn't work out or that person hurt you. And what? Instead, what? Strain toward what's ahead. Move forward with what's ahead. And this is Paul's message to Philippi. And when Paul says forgetting, he doesn't really mean like the loss of memory, by the way, okay? And the reason we know this is because if you read earlier in chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul's actually referring to his former life. He's saying, I'm a Jew, I'm a Pharisee. When it comes to the law, the, the Mosaic law, the Jewish law, because he was a Jew, he said, I followed it to a T. Paul's referring to his past. He's not talking about just the loss of memory. Like, I, can't, I have amnesia, I can't remember anything anymore. He's not talking about that. When Paul says forgetting the past, Paul is actually saying moving past the obstacles that are hindrances to him running the Christian race. Forgetting the past, moving past the past, removing the obstacles that are trying to hold him down. Now, let me just say this to you this morning, church. If Paul needed to do this, so will you and I. I got one amen. That's good. It's 9.30 there, right? It's still early, right? That's 10 o'clock already. You should be awake, right? <laughs> That's right. Two of them now. <laughs> if this is true for Paul, it's also true for you and I, right? And here's a little, a little glimpse at, at, at Paul's past, just in case you're kind of new to the Bible. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't, I don't really read the Bible. I don't, I don't think it's credible. It's very credible, by the way. That's a different story. But maybe you just are not familiar with Paul's past. Paul used to be named Saul, and Saul, by the way, was the persecutor of the church. What does that mean? That simply means this. Paul, or Saul back then, was trying to destroy the Christian church. He was like hunting Christians down. He was like wanting them dead. He didn't want anything to do with Christianity. He was not for the Christian faith. He was not for the church. He was against it. He was so much against it that when Paul was converted to a Christ follower, that when he met Jesus, he was knocked off of his horse, and he met Jesus, and, and he became this Jesus follower, a whole bunch of people didn't believe him. They were like, that's that one dude who sold drugs in the corner of, you know what, that, he's the guy that was doing that one. Oh, that guy had a gambling addiction, and now he's preaching the gospel? <laughs> No, he's, no, 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 no. I knew him back then, and, and trust me, he was at the club, you know what I'm saying? It, right? 50 cent in the background, anyone? Maybe. <laughs> Paul was that guy. Like, people did not believe him. They said, he's the one who persecuted the church, and now he's preaching? Yeah, that, that doesn't add up. I don't know if I can trust that dude. I don't know if he's real, if this is real. And these were the things in Paul's past that often served as what? As obstacles in the way of God's future for him. So Paul says this. Paul says, I can't put any stock into who I used to be, a Pharisee, a Jew, 
uh, you know, perfect when it comes to the law, uh, circumcised, all of these things that Jewish people were to do that was outlined in the Old Testament in the Mosaic law. Paul says, I can't put any stock into that. Instead, what I have to do is I have to strain ahead to what God has won for me in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't forget as a loss of memory, but he has to remove the past because it's often a hindrance. What about you? What's in your past? And don't worry, you don't have to answer this. (laughs) Raise your hand. We all have a past, right? That's undeniable. I have a past. I wasn't always a preacher. I didn't come out of my mother's womb preaching the gospel, just in case you were wondering. I have a past, and there's many things in my past I'm ashamed of. But then Jesus. My life was interrupted, and I wasn't planning on it. Can I just say that? But it was interrupted by Jesus, and he changed my life. And so often we look in the rearview mirror of our past, and what we see are the failures, right, the hurts, the disappointments, uh, the, time where, the, the, the times where we let people down. Um, we see the relationships that didn't work out. We see the relationships that we were a part of, that we were, they, were, they were unhealthy. We were in those relationships far too long. Everyone told us to get out of that relationship, and we were still in that relationship. We see the times where, where we tried something new, the new hobby, we messed up, or the, new, the, the business venture that we tried, the idea that we had, and it didn't work out. So when we look behind us, we're reminded of all of the ways that we don't add up, and we're reminded of all of the dreams that never came to fruition. For many of us, that's our past. Unfortunately, our past mistakes, our, our pains, our hurts, our disappointments, listen, often outshine or overshadow the good that God is trying to do in our present. And it's our past that might be whispering to you right now or might whisper in my ear. The past might whisper this, it's too late for you. You'll never add up. That guy you used to be 20 years ago, you're still that guy. That girl you used to be 10 years ago, you're still that girl. You'll always be this way. Lately, I've been reading a book. It's entitled um, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It's by Peter Scazzaro. Fantastic book, by the way. I'm 50% through it, maybe. I read a book by him about a year ago entitled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, another phenomenal book. And I love this book because... You can look at the subtitle, Moving Past Shallow Christianity, right, to to what? To transformation. And that's what Pete Scazzaro writes about in this book. It's so important. He's like, it's got to be so much more than head knowledge. There's so many Christians that are, they they know a a lot about God, but they're still trapped in their past. They're still trapped in terrible habits. They're mean to people. They're judgmental. I mean, it's like they haven't changed. What's wrong with the American church? So Pete Scazzaro sort of gets down into the depths of our hearts. And in the book, he gives a a biblical framework for moving forward or getting past your past. And um, I want to show these one at a time. I'll go through them quickly. 
But the first, the first thing he mentions is this, is to acknowledge how the blessings and sins of your family profoundly impacts you today. So go back to your parents, and what were, the, what were the sinful patterns they were involved in? Well, what about their parents? And then their parents' parents, and you keep going back, and do you see a pattern of sin? Do you see a pattern of brokenness? Was there alcoholism? Was there um, depression? Was there anxiety? Was there unstable marriages? Was there brokenness? Or was there poverty? What, whatever it is, I mean, you name it. Because if there was something going on in your family's history, it just might try to show up in your life. So acknowledge the blessings and the sins of your past. Number two, recognize that you've been birthed into a new family, the family of Jesus. So you may have a family. I have a family. We all have families, and it's broken, just like your family's broken. Mine's broken as well. I'm not saying anything bad about them. I love my family. I love them to death. I'd do anything for them. I'm just saying they're broken, just like I am. That's all I'm saying. But I've been born into a new family, the family of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's 17. Paul says that we have, or we are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. And finally, number three, Peace Cazero says this, put off the sinful patterns of your family of origin and culture and learn a new way of living in Christ. That is where the local church comes into play. That's where other believers come. Why? Because the way that we used to be is so strong. We have to learn what it's like to live like Jesus. And it's a process. So Peace Cazero says, look at your past. Look at your present that Jesus is now who you are. And then look at where you're going into the future. And in just a few moments, and ushers, if you could help me out, bring those chairs up for me if you wouldn't mind. Just a few moments, we're going to um, bring up a guest, and you're going to see in her life, we're going to look at her life for just a few moments of her past, how Jesus is moving in her present, and where she's headed because of who God has called her to be. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Let's pull this up here a little bit. So, would you guys help me to welcome Claire Zelensky to our stage? Take a seat, Claire. Make yourself comfortable. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being here. Good morning. <laughs> and thanks for sharing your story. I'm so excited. I wore my pineapple shirt, too, just a special occasion for us. <laughs> Well, listen, I know who you are, and a lot of our volunteers know who you are, um, but not everybody knows who you are, because we have some people that are here for the first time, and we have people that are watching online that I don't know where they're from. Could you just give us maybe like a brief introduction, maybe of kind of like a little snippet of who you are? Oh. Hi, guys. My name's Claire Zielinski. Um, I'm 27 years old. I have, I'm a single mom to a little boy named Jace. He's five years old, and he is amazing, a little breath of fresh air, and my pride and joy. I have been attending Radiant for about two and a half years, and I serve in the children's ministry and hospitality, and it's amazing. I'm really grateful to be a part of this. Awesome. Yes. 
Claire is a, a wonderful part of our church family, and um, we've had the opportunity just to see you grow over the last several years, and it's been amazing. I mean, I'll say it for myself, and I know many can agree with me, it's been amazing to see the transformation in your life, right? Yeah. Um, but Claire, um, maybe just give us, a, again, another brief picture of what was your upbringing like, and, and maybe specifically, did you grow up in a, in a Christian home? For myself, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, I grew up Catholic, and nothing, nothing wrong with being Catholic, but... Um, I just never had, like, a, I didn't know, I really didn't know God. But what about you, Claire? What was your kind of home life like? So I want to start with saying, you know, I have, I have amazing parents. I, my parents split when I was really young. And one blessing that I definitely got out of that was I have two bonus parents. And they're absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I I wouldn't say that we didn't believe in God because we definitely did. I was baptized. I was um, baptized as a Catholic. We went to church occasionally. We prayed at night. But as you know, as Pastor Marco's as Pastor Marco has always said, there's a big difference between believing in God and following God. And as I'm as I've gotten older, I've I've learned the importance of that. That's awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, Claire, um, addiction plays like a major role in your life. Um, and so we're going to just fast forward. We're not going to give her her whole story, but we do want to fast forward. And I, I want you to maybe just explain for a few minutes, uh, specifically, what was your, your rock bottom moment? Kind of catch us up to speed. What, what, what was the great transformation? Because a lot of you know you, and they look at you, and they think, Claire's amazing. Claire's amazing. Oh, my gosh. But they don't know your past. They don't know some of the dark uh, challenges that you had. Maybe tell us about some of your rock bottom experience. Or what, what was that like? All right. So I think I got to go back just a little bit. And when I was 17 or 18, that's when I really started, when life started getting real and I started noticing I had, that there was something that was missing. There was something that I needed healing from. And so I started seeking out other things outside of myself to try and mend my heart. Um, so when I was 18, I started experimenting, and it was like no matter what I did, I was not fulfilled. So through the ages of like 18 to 22, I kind of bounced around from the substances that I was using, but my rock bottom was when I was 22, the ages of 22 to 23, I got involved with a really, really bad crowd of people, specifically a, bo a boy that I was dating, um, there was a, it was a very abusive relationship. He took advantage of me a lot, um, put his hands on me. I, I was using drugs so heavily that I didn't even, I didn't even, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even see around me. I mean, I was constantly walking around like a zombie. So there's a specific moment that I want to touch on. When I was when I was 23, so this was March 10th, 2018, a few days prior to that, I had been, I called off of work three days in a row, and I was on a binge. And on March 10th, it was, it was a wild day, definitely one I will not forget. And by the grace of God, I'm very grateful because he's recently, he's been showing me things that I didn't remember happen. So... 
there was this moment when, after using for three days in a row, um, sorry, um, I was using for three days in a row, and I was, I was messed up, and I had realized that the, the exact drug that I was doing was laced. And um, this profound moment that I remember is I was laying, I was laying in a bed, and I had bruises all over me. Um, I had just gotten taken advantage of, and I remember all of these men showing up, and they were in the living room, and I overheard my boyfriend at the time saying that um, if people, he's like, pretty much screw her. If anybody wants to go and have their way with her, give me, pay me, and you can go and have your way with her. And I remember like in that moment, I was like shaking and I was withdrawing really bad and I was just terrified. And I just remember like laying there and like I put my head up and I was like, God, this is it. Like there isn't a way outside of this, you know? And um, so I remember getting up and I couldn't walk. And like every, it, it was like almost like a tunnel vision. Like I couldn't really see. So I start walking and at that point, the drugs were hitting me really hard. And I remember him coming up to me and hitting me and throwing me on the ground. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm so messed up. I don't know what to do. And he was like, get out of my house. Like, I don't want you here. So he, flew, he threw me down a flight of stairs and um, had his brother and his girlfriend drive me to Walmart, which is where my car was parked. And they threw me into, well, I remember when we got there, they were like, can you walk? And I was like, no, I can't walk. So they both took my arms and they put them on around their shoulders and put me in my car. So fast forward. I had told my parents I was on my way home. It was around 4.30, and I never showed. Well, what happened was I passed out in my car, and I remember waking up at like 7 o'clock, and I texted them and said again that I was coming, and then I passed back out. So when I woke up, I wake up around 9.30, 10 o'clock, which does not happen. People normally do not wake up after an overdose. Once you're out, you're out. So I woke up and I remember, I thought I heard somebody knocking on the window and I just remember like this bright light coming over me and I opened my eyes and I opened my eyes and I had passed out like this. So I, I sit up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like my hand was stuck like this. I, I had no function in my right arm. So. I get out of my car, and it's crazy because in this moment, you'd think you would be so frightened. I wasn't. I felt such a sense of peace when I woke up. And I get out of my car, and I see this on every single car in the parking lot. It says, Jesus loves you. And on the back, it's about how to make your home, how to make heaven your home. So I remember seeing that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is some Bruce Almighty stuff. Like, this is on every <laughs> single car in the parking lot. And so... Uh, at that moment, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but my parents, I'd gotten a hold of my parents who had been looking for me for six hours. I can't even imagine the frantic feelings that they were having, driving around town thinking I was dead or disappeared. Um, they came and got me, and 
we ended up going to the hospital. When I got there, I was, I was unconscious, you know, and um, so I ended up waking up again, which doesn't happen. I don't really remember getting in the hospital, but I woke up and um, seeing my parents and my respirations. I was laying there peacefully, and all of a sudden the nurses run in, and my respirations were six. And I don't know if people know what that is exactly, but my breaths per minute, I was breathing six breaths per minute, which is not, I mean, I was bottoming out, you know? Sorry. So that was um, ideal when I woke up, and I just remember from then, it's just been a journey, and I thought that, you know, I, what I thought was the end it was only the beginning, and I had no idea what God was going to have in store for me from that point on. Yeah, that's good. Well, so let's fast forward, because that's, that's, that's a great marker for us to kind of fast forward now. Um, and tell us about your relationship with God right now, and how Radiant has played a role in, and really how, how you have seen God operate in your life just recently. Okay, so... I was attending a 12-step meeting, and it was like I would go to these meetings, and I'm not knocking them at all. Um, the 12-step programs are wonderful, and they do, the, the 12 steps in itself is an amazing thing, but I remember, I remember when I first started going to the meetings, they would tell us that we could look at the wall and call that God, and like anything you want to be God is God, and it, that just never, it was like no matter how, how often they said that, I, it never felt right. It was like something was always missing. So recently I found a notebook of myself writing saying that I didn't believe in God and God's not real. So I had a friend that was in recovery with me and he was like, hey, I've been attending Radiant Church. Like you should come with me. I think it'd be really good for you. So I came into the church and I remember sitting here, and I was like, why is everybody so happy? Like, these people are so happy and loving and welcoming. And um, I just remember looking around, and I, it was crazy because I walked in here, and I knew I was where I was supposed to be. So I remember specifically Jamie Stanley. She had approached me, and I remember, like, when I looked at her, she was like a little angel. And Jamie has passed now, for those of you who don't know, but she was... There's really no words. She just really, when I saw her, I was so comforted, and I knew, I knew that this was where I was supposed to be. So when I got involved here, you know, I, I remember sitting in the New to Radiant class, which definitely recommend. Pastor had talked about when, when you're a part of a church, you don't, just, you don't just pray. You don't just attend church every Sunday, you know? He talked about community and serving and um, reading the word and tithing. So I started with just serving. I started in the children's ministry, started being a part of that. It was amazing, you know. It was really like getting me to come here. But it was like no matter what, I, I could still feel that I needed to do more. So after that, I started praying. Well, yeah, I had started praying more. And then I started reading my word. And then I started getting involved in community and, like, the serving days and, you know, being a part of what the church is a part of and hanging out with different people. And then I remember one day I was at Ann and Troy's house, and I was talking to them about just how I've been working so hard, and they had talked about tithing. 
And I was like, at that point, I was like, ooh, like, that's not something that I'm willing to do, you know? I, I can barely afford things as it is. And they kind of just talked to me about how, like, when you, when you give, God will make a way, you know? So I started tithing, and it's so crazy because I've had moments where I've been without work. I've had moments where I, where I was literally hanging on by a thread and on a budget that I didn't think I'd be able to pay my bills. And that was a year ago, and I literally went when COVID hit. I had four, four months without a job. I didn't know how I was going to make it work, and God has always made it work. Wow. And it's just crazy the way when I started doing that, when I started doing all the five things that were recommended to me, it's God has blessed that. And he has, I have reaped benefits that I didn't even think were possible. So now I'm going to kind of fast forward to this, this um, conference that we went to. It was called Arise Shine. It was unreal. I experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that, I never have before. There's, um, I could go on and on and on about the things that I saw, but specifically, there was this moment when we were worshiping, and I, I felt this moment of, like, I was on my knees, and I saw these change, chains all over my body, and I was asking God to take them from me, and I had this profound moment where Jesus walked up to me, and he got on the ground where I was at, just pretty much showed me that he was, he's like, you don't have to be where I'm at. I'm where you're at. Mm. And I remember I just started hyperventilating. So I get up and I look over and I see Pastor Marco <laughs> scrolling on his phone. And I'm like, what? What's he doing? <laughs> and um, well, it turns out Pastor actually had a prophetic message for me. So I brought it in. I got two prophetic messages at this conference. And the one he wrote down on a piece of paper for me, I wanted to read and share with you guys. So this was on May 3rd. Pastor said, I felt the Lord say that he was going to restore everything that the locust has stolen. What was lost from addiction, brokenness, and wandering, God will redeem and restore in his timing. I will restore, oh, so this is a verse. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter. Joel 2, verse 25. Then he put, you think that God has done a great work in your life, but he's only just begun. He's only begun the work of redemption in your life. Wait and see what God will do in your life as you continue to follow him. And he told me that he had this vision of people aren't even going to realize my past. They're not. People are, as, as my testimony grows and as I grow in my faith, people won't even know that that was a part of my past. And he just said that there's going to be so many hearts that I touch. So there was this, and so there, then there was also this man there, and his name was Wayne Drain, and he did this prophetic, he did this prophetic conference or this um, meeting where he ca we, he kind of sat there and talked about, just like he goes around the world and he gives people these prophetic messages, and um, so I, I remember having this urge that I needed to walk up and talk to him, and I was like, no, like he wa everybody wants to talk to him, you know how the enemy gets in our head and says those things to us. So the next day, I had joined this class called Super, or Naturally Supernatural. So I walk in the class, and I go right up to the front row. And I look up, and it's Wayne Drain. So um, he talked about impartation, which is where, like, somebody with these spiritual gifts can kind of put them onto you. And he asked for people to stand up if you're seeking out spiritual gifts. So I stood up, and he started talking about, he, he 
prayed for the impartation of tongues. Well, I've been praying for months for God to give me after doing school of the spirit for God Mm -hmm. to kind of give me that gift and just to show me that he heard me, you know, and so I was, oh, and I've been praying for him to show me my mission, what he wants me to do with my life. So I stand up, he prayed, all of a sudden I'm in a room of all these people speaking in tongues, myself included, and it was, it was wild. So um, after that, I had gone up to him, and um, I went to walk out, and then I was like, no, I'm going to go talk to him, and I had every intention of going up to him and asking him what, his, what, he, what he saw for Bay City going forward. So um, I told him my story a little bit, and I walked up to him, and like all of a sudden I start crying, and I'm like, listen, I'm st- like, I still have these struggles, and I still, I still struggle with you know, like temptation sometimes, and I feel like I'm alone in this and that I'm never going to get away with it. And he's like, can I pray over you? And I was like, yeah. So he lays his hands, on, or he starts speaking to me, and then he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I got to pray over you. And I'm like, okay. So he lays his hands on me, and he's like, Jesus, he's like, right now you are healed in the name of Jesus. The temptations that you once faced, you are not going to face anymore. Like, God is pouring life into you right now, and he told me about how he had this vision of me dressed in white and all of these people coming to me, and he specifically said young women in addiction and mental health that I was going to be given a gift of healing. So as my, as my process goes on that, I'll be able to lay my hands through the glory of God on women, and they'll be healed from the things that they've endured. So after that, I mean... When you hear that many prophetic messages and hear all the faith, that, the faith and the works that are happening, I mean, from that moment on, my life has not been the same, to say the least. That's good. So um, since then, and I mean, really in the last two years, I have like a new hope. I have a new way of dealing with things. Mm. I have new people to lean on. I had to change my people, my places, and my things. And That's any good. of the friends that I had from the past, I don't have anymore. And I remember feeling so lonely. Mm. And now I look and I'm like, I've never been so full. I mm. have Christian friends that I can call and lean on and a church of people that love me and don't shame me, you know? And that was the biggest thing yeah. is the shame that you feel. So, you know, a word of encouragement I kind of want to give to everybody is, the, the walk with God, it's, it's, does, it's not something that like, oh, I choose to follow Jesus, and then overnight you're healed. This is something that it is, a, it is a process. It is a journey, and I remember so many times when I failed, I would be so hard on myself and think that, like, oh, well, God doesn't love me, and a lot of it comes from relationships you've had in the past of people that made you feel unloved or whatnot. And mm-hmm. yep. what I've learned is, like, God loves us no matter what we do. God is with you even when you fail. And it took a lot of people around me encouraging me and saying that to me consistently, but you are not your temptations. You are not what your mistakes are. Um, Through Jesus, we can be renewed, you know, and my whole point in doing this is to give the glory to God. And if there's just one person even that is touched by this and it encourages and gives people hope, that is my whole purpose for doing this. So... Awesome. We're going to get ready to close up here in just a few, more, a few moments. Some of you have heard this testimony, and um, you've heard things like prophecy in tongues, and you're like, whoa, what is that? And uh, I'll just say this quickly. So just for, for those of you who may not know what New Testament prophecy is, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says this, 
He says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Prophecy in the New Testament simply means this. It's a spontaneous message brought upon by the Holy Spirit used for the edification of the church. Edification simply means to build up. You never, uh, and when you say a prophecy, but I prophesied over Claire, all I'm saying is that, Claire, I sense that the Lord is saying this. I'm not claiming to to, to speak God's word. I'm not claiming to write the Bible. I'm simply trying to deliver a message that I think is from God for her. And it's always used, listen, for encouragement, for building up, not for shaming. A lot of Christians, they try to shame people. And I'm like, you're operating in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. That's, that's not the same anymore. New Testament prophecy is always about building people up, encouraging them, and giving them hope, uh, a hope that they have in Jesus Christ. And so Claire's uh, story is, is simply amazing. And uh, can we just clap our hands for one last time? Claire, you can go ahead and take a seat. We're going to wrap things up. And if James is anywhere around, he can go ahead and uh, play the keyboard a little bit. If he's not, then... I guess we won't have any music. Well, listen, I'm going to pray us out here, uh, and we're going to be done in just a minute, and then we're going to have some free ice cream. I see the ice cream truck right there, you guys. It's so close. Okay. But listen, here, I can, we can't end this kind of service, this kind of message, without just, without just speaking about the hope that we have in Jesus. Psalm chapter 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit. He put a new song in my heart. He set my foot on solid ground of the solid rock. And this morning, listen, perhaps you heard this message or maybe you were here. Maybe it was the worship. Maybe it was something I said. Maybe it was Claire's testimony. It doesn't matter, right? And you, right now you're feeling, man, I, I'm far from God. Right? I just want to let you know that today, right now, can make all the difference. Can make all the difference. The scripture tells us that all have sinned, all have rebelled against God, including myself, okay? None are exempt from this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, says that the wages for our sin, that what we're earning for ourselves is death. It's death. It's coming for us. It is the great equalizer. And apart from Jesus, it's utter darkness, Right? The wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, Paul says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And finally, in Romans 10, 13, Paul says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you're thinking, man, I, I, want, I want what Claire experienced. I, I want new life. Because I'm not here to sell you religion. I'm not here to sell you church. A church. I, I don't care about that. I want you to experience Jesus. That's what I want for you this morning. And Paul says in Romans chapter 9, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ or that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now we're going to close, but I just want to lead you in a prayer. You just pray with me under your breath. You don't have to come up here or anything like right now. But I want to just challenge you. Don't walk out those doors without praying. And Claire's going to be up here. I'm going to be up here. Some of our elders are going to be here. Um, we're trying to grow our prayer team a little bit at a time. 
we want to pray with you, and we're not going to shame you, condemn you, none of that. We just want to encourage you and pray with you. But I want to pray with you right now. You just bow your heads for just a few moments. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you, God. God, we thank you that in our sin, in our brokenness, God, we are separated from you. God, there's nothing that we can do to earn the righteousness of God. There's not a good deed that we can do to get to heaven. But God, when we were lost, when we were in darkness, when we were in destitute, God, you came for us. You sent the lifeline, which was Jesus Christ. And now those who are far from you, God, just like the song says, you are the way maker. You've made a way, God, that we can be reconciled to the Father. Our sins can be forgiven, God. God, that we can that we can be in a right relationship with you. We can have a new life right now and new life into eternity. So God, right now, I'm making this all of our prayer. If anyone's in here, you just pray this with me under your breath, out loud, whatever you want to do. But don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Father, forgive us of our sins. God, we, we repent. We turn from a life of sin and we turn to you. God, we believe that you are your, Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he was sinless and that Jesus died in our place. Jesus took the punishment that we deserved on the cross. We deserved hell. We deserved to die. And Jesus took it in our place. Three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead, proving that he indeed is and was the Son of God. And one day, Jesus will return for his church. And God, we want to be made new. We want to have that hope that we have in Jesus. We know that apart from Christ, we're lost. We're on our way to hell. We're on our way to death. But God, with Jesus is life and hope, God, and newness right now in our hearts. So right now, God, people all across this room are making this their prayer. If you're here and you want to pray this, make this your prayer. God, come into my heart. Make me new. Forgive me, God. I repent of my sins and I turn to Jesus. Give me a new heart and a new life right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands this morning for the work of God in Christ. And I'm going to get ready to dismiss you. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, you want to learn more about who God is in Jesus, please come up and see us. Take a connection card, fill that out, say, I made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to give you a free gift, a book that will help you follow Jesus. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday afternoon and enjoy some ice cream.